Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. All right. So in 93 and 94, you won the inner service championship. How for you personally, as a Marine, how did that compare to winning the national championship? Um, that, that was a big deal because, you know, everybody talks about national and obviously nationals is a little bit more, you know, on the prestigious thing. However, we know if yeah. you shot in our service, that is definitely a harder match to win. Especially on the on our side on the pistol, it wasn't a twenty seven hundred. It's a thirty six hundred. It's twenty two centerfire forty five and a service pistol nine hundred to be the champion. You can win the twenty seven hundred portion of inner service, but to win inner service, you had to be the overall 3,600 four gun champion. Right. And, and it's funny because I, I'd only won, I, I won a gold cup. I won several gold, you know, a handful of gold cups with the Marines. Um, I'm not sure when it comes to the, uh, the Custer trophy, the leg match at Perry, the actual national pistol championship. Um, I won two, I think. Of those but okay. it was funny because everybody's like oh well you know yeah he's a great three-gun shooter but you know he's not much of a service pistol shooter i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> you know people would say that i'm like i got a lockheimer i never did win a walsh <laughs> <laughs> which just just blows everybody's mind they're like you never won the pistol at the marine corps championship and i'm like no <laughs> but in my in my defense i actually only shot it a few times because when I, was I on the team, when I was on the team, 
what's distinguished, we never shot division matches. Right. And, and, and I took it, I have more responsibility in my position to cultivate a new team from the Marine Corps championship. So I really wasn't at the Marine Corps championships to compete and win. I was there to find new guys to bring into the program. So I only shot, once I got on the team in 90, I think I only shot the Marine Corps championships two or three times. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was just like, no, I'm here. I'm running a camp. I'm running, you know, this pistol clinic, teaching these guys, working with them. I'm already distinguished. I'm not worried about that. That's, you know, I, I really didn't care. Gotcha. Now, as a Marine, I'm going to make sure I get this correct here. You won the national championship in 96, 98, and then 2001 to 2005 consecutively. Yes. So, yeah, that would that would be seven. Now, I found it interesting that you were second in 2006, but yet you still set a couple of records, like the Centerfire 900, Centerfire Timed, so what what happened there, even with the records that you ended up second? Um, I don't know. Actually, you know what? No. <laughs> okay. You know what? I didn't. I look at that. You know, when people ask, they're like, "What happened?" I didn't lose that match. Okay. I got I got beat. I got, okay. I got outshot. Um, I want to say was that the year? Was that Jimmy Henderson's first year winning? I don't know who won I, that year. I didn't look that up. I want to say off the top of my head, I think that was Jim Henderson's first year winning nationals, and he just beat me. He, he we both, okay. we both shot well, and it was just he he had a better he, he got he had a better match, I, and, and I was the first guy to run over and shake his hand. I mean, because we were there's probably 30, 40 targets between us. I was just on the right side of the uh, sound tower. And he was down on the little end. You know, we finished the last string of rapid fire. We come back, sign our scorecards. And I kind of look down at him and I'm like, you know, <laughs> how, how to go, you know, because we're the leaders. I looked at him like, how to go? And he goes, he was like, yeah. So okay. I, I, darted across, I darted across the range when I was the first one to shake his hand. Because, okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, you beat me. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's easier than. Um, I know you've been around JJ Rakaza. Yeah. This year he shot the USPSA carry optics nationals and had a squib. So his, his chances of winning were over. And I feel like that's a harder pill to swallow than just somebody out shooting you, you know, yeah. that that's much easier. Like, Hey man, I, I shot my best. That guy just, it was his time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, and it, it really was. It was just, I, I didn't lose. I got beat. Okay. No harm in that. Nope. But then you went back next year and you won in 2007. Yep. <laughs> now, yeah. what happened again? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is what I find interesting. In 2008, you retire from the Marine Corps in May. National champions aren't in ships aren't until July, but two months later you win another national championship. Yep. As a civilian as the NRA national 
pistol or the director of pistol programs for the NRA's national or, you know, pistol programs, competitive shooting division. Mm. So, and I told him when they hired me, I said, listen, I'm like, I know you expect me to be the match director at Camp Perry. I'm not doing that. I'm still a competitor. So we brought in Tom Hughes. I don't know if you've met Tom Hughes over the years. No. Tom was, uh, yeah. And I told him, I said, look, I said, I'll, I'll be there. I'll assist what I can, but I am a competitor and I, and I will be a competitor. And the funny thing is I actually went there cause I had read the rules. I wrote the NRA rules when I got there, I re went through them and changed things, you know, that were, you know, fuzzy and, you know, after the committee meetings and all this. And according to the rules, it's supposed to be if in that calendar year you receive any support as a service member and you get out, you're supposed to compete as a service member, mm. not a civilian. Okay. And I thought it was only fair. I spent the majority of that year in Quantico. I retired out of Quantico. I did train. I had shot. I was supported financially as a sponsored shooter. And mm. That was my thing. I said, well, I should be competing in a service category. And I registered in a service category. Nope. They kicked it out. Said, nope, you're a civilian. All right, cool. I'll win my first civilian championship then. I'll take it. But okay. That, that's how I interpreted the rules. <laughs> now, did you not shoot in 2009 or did you? I'm trying to remember the, the closer the years get, the harder it is to remember. Um, well, I know you won in 2010, 2012, and 2013. Yes. 2009. Yeah. Yes. I think I did compete in 2009 and okay. it was, uh, I think, uh, Keith Sanderson won that year. I think that was Keith's first year winning, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I were a good competitor this year, I'd have all my all my world, all, all my match bulletins lined up over here on my bookcase, but I do not. <laughs> um, they're, they're in a Tupperware box somewhere in the crawl space or something. Um, yeah, I think Keith won that year, and Keith shot well. But yeah, that I don't know. It happens. I wasn't training sure. as much. I didn't have the opportunity to do as near, nearly as much training. You know, I mean, I was working at at the NRA. I had right. access to the range downstairs, but I was also being in that position. I was doing other things, you know, uh, lots of other pistol matches overseeing, you know. Yeah, I get it. it things change, you know, <laughs> you can't. The nice thing about being on the Marine Corps pistol team was that was your job, was that doing was that. Job. So that that's what it. you did and, and you did it well. Yeah. And that's why we lose so many service shooters, you know after they get out, they lose that support. And they're like, this is expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was funny. Somebody had asked her like, so what's your drive, you know, that, you know, to, to be this good and to continue to train, you've already won more national championships than anybody else. And I'm like, look, I'm going to retire someday. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, this is expensive. I'm going to need sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And right now, uncle Sam is a big sponsor. Yeah, that's my that's that's my sugar daddy right now. So I gotta find some. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you get out? Because it looks like you basically went one month beyond your the date you went into the Marine Corps, and yeah. so I guess the first month you could retire, you did. 
was what was it because of a job offer or something like that or no it was i was getting down to um well i had spent i was a gunny for almost eight years oh wow because in i want to say it was 2004 after i'd been back there for three years and Sergeant Major Soto was a Sergeant Major at Weapons Training Battalion at the time, and and it was it was just kind of funny. We, uh, I, whoever I know, I know who it was, but I'm not going to say who it was. <laughs> the NCOIC of the pistol team at the time, he goes, "You've been here for three years. You got to get out of here. You got to go do MOS credibility." Okay. Well, prior to that conversation, because we're sitting there having lunch in the chow hall, and he goes, "Wait, you've been here how long? You've been here for over three years now." I got to get you orders. You got to go. Well, about a month prior to that, I'm walking across the battalion parking lot one day. And sorry, Major Soda, a little spark plug. Got it. I'm like, yeah, sorry, Major. Commander Zerzio and I were talking. If you don't mind, we're just going to leave you here until you retire. You keep winning nationals. You'll stay here until you retire. Like, oh, deal. Sounds good, sorry, Major. I'm good with it. He, goes, <laughs> you, he said, and he said, he goes, you're not getting promoted. I'm like, Hey, I'm a gunny. I got the greatest rank in the Marine Corps. You, this, you know, it really is. I said, I, I, I cannot be, I can't beat this. So then after the NCIC tells me, he goes, yeah, I got to get you orders. Cause you've been here too long. I'm walking across the Italian parking lot one day. I see the Sergeant Major. I'm like, hey, Sergeant Major. What's up, gunny? <laughs> uh, <laughs> He said he wants to get rid of me. He goes, what I tell you? Got it, sorry, Major. <laughs> sure enough, he said. He goes, yeah, you're not going anywhere. He's like, you keep winning nationals. I'm not sending you anywhere. It's like, okay, I'm cool with it. And so my basically, I hit service limitations. Okay. I wasn't going to get you. promoted. I could have probably finagled an extension for a little while. But, nah, I was, I, I'm good. Hey. Okay. All right. So you didn't even want to just try to extend for two months through nationals and then call it quits. No, because uh, Gunny Hamill, uh, who, who who passed away a few years after that with cancer, he, he, uh, he had actually gone through it while he was in there. He and I were talking. He was the NCIC of the rifle team. I was the NCIC of the pistol, tie, pistol team. And we were talking. We're like, hey, you and I, we're going to have a joint retirement ceremony joint retirement party in the old RTE shop. And oh, okay. so, so we actually both retired the same, same day. And we're like, cool. They lost both NCOICs the same day. Let the new ones take over. Oh, wow. That's pretty yeah. wild. That's unique. Yeah. You're out a couple of years later, you're a contestant on top shot. How did that come about? An email. <laughs> an email. It was an email. And it was funny because I had actually submitted to be on season one. Okay. But I had I would I had just left the NRA and I was doing anti-piracy work. Another buddy of mine from the Marine Corps, um, Bill Witherspoon mentions, you know, I, I I'm at the NRA and I'm like, look, I love the job. I love who I work with. But the politics at the NRA was just driving me insane. 
the feet mm. dragging to get things done at the NRA was dry. I'm like, I'm a Marine. We see something we need to get done. We go do it. We don't, we don't set up committees and we don't discuss it for three months. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, this is how it needs to be done. We need to do it now. That, that just got the best of me. And I'm like, so I called Bill and I was like, I need a job. I need something to do. And he goes, I'll call you tomorrow. So he calls me, tells me about this anti-piracy stuff, you know, going over in the Middle East on American flag cargo vessels. I'm like, cool. I'm right. turning my resignation at the NRA, submit to that. And then I get an email. You need to check this out. I'm like, okay. And it's a top shot thing. All right. Fill out my little application, send in a photo and a short video, send it. And they're like, hey, we want you to come out. We want you to be on the show. I'm like, I can't for because when they were going to be filming, I said, I've already got mm. visas and passport, everything. I've got an obligation. I said, I've got three other guys that are waiting for me to get on a boat that day to protect it going around the horn of, you know, going around the Middle East. I said, if it were a different time of the year, I could do it. I said, I just can't do that one. So season two comes up, sending my application again. Within three days, I get an email. Hey, we want you to come out to California for the audition process. Went out, spent three days out there, you know, interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, little weapons handling just to show that you're not a fraud. You just want to be on reality TV. So left there, got home. 24 hours later, I got the phone call. You're in. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I probably would have been on season one. And I'm glad I wasn't on season one because having talked to uh, Chris Serino, who's a good friend of mine now, um, and having talked to, you know, JJ and Blake and other people that were out there on season one, it, it was a mess. Oh, because oh, it was wow. their first time, you know, it, the, right. the, the crew and the production and, and everybody, they're like, yeah, we, we don't know what we're doing. They were getting their feet wet. So it was a learning experience for everybody, I guess. So season two, which I personally think is the best of the, of the five seasons. And I was on five. I was on two and five. But I just think season two was one of the better seasons because, you know, I think a lot of it was the chemistry that we had with our group. Yeah, we did okay. have some personality conflicts in there, but we also had a bunch of Marines. We had uh, an Army guy, two Air Force guys, a Navy guy, and the rest were civilians. But I think we had five Marines in the house. Wow. Yeah. Between me, Joe, Chris, um, I can see his face, Daryl, and, and the big guy the big cowboy guy so we had five marines in the house and and we said look you know our first episode i can't remember if they actually aired this or not but the first episode of the show where we're all moving into the house together we said listen we're going to be competing against each other because we had already been broken up into teams however when we come back in this house we're going to sit at the table every night and have dinner there's none of this going off on your own cooking your own thing we're going to sit and break bread as one dysfunctional family every single night. If you cook, you don't clean. If you don't cook, you clean. It's that simple. But we will sit at this table and break bread together every single night, no matter what's going on in the competition. And, and we did that. Nice. And, and it was really the only episode. Well, we did it on, or only season. We did it on season five as well. But yeah, we weren't having any of this, you know, 
bumping into people in the kitchen and doing our thing. We're like, hey, this, me and this guy, we're cooking dinner tonight. You too. You know, you want to cook? Cool. You're cooking dinner. But we, we, there were personality issues. Obviously, there always will be. We put that many people, strangers in a house together. Sure. But, but we tried to squash it as much as we could. Well, there's always that feeling out period, you know. Oh, you, yeah. you may even clash at the beginning, end up being best friends at the end, and maybe go the other way, but yeah, got to figure each other out. So now what was it? So what was it like? Obviously, when you went down to the range, it was all business. Everybody did their thing. But when you came back, was there anything to do in the house? Like I, I've heard that the, that's what I've heard. So what do you do? <laughs> they, we read. We read. Oh, there, there you go. There's my book we question. Read, there was nothing else <laughs> to do. We read. Wow. Um, we read some. Some of us journaled things. You know, we would just keep a journal, kind of like I, I've got one somewhere in here of of every day in the house of what we did, what the challenge was, what was going on in the background, you know, just basically something to hand down to my, you know, my kids or whatever one day. But it was just kind of like, you know, that top shot experience in my words as it was happening. Okay. But no, we didn't have, we had no, we had, we had nothing. We had some stupid games in the back that we could sit there and play, you know, a lot of cards. Oh my God, these guys were playing, you know, 500 Texas hold them. And I'm like, Oh God, I can't play 500. I was in the first goal four. we sat. That's all we ever did. I'm done. Yeah. I can't. Um, I was about to say that that was a flashback to the Marine Corps right there. Yeah. A couple, especially weapons training battalion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. A couple of us, our, our big thing was, you know, I hung out with uh, Chris Reed, Joe Serafini and George Rhinus. And we would sit in a circle, have these little chairs out in this backyard in this gravel area. We take a water bottle, stick it on the ground, and we'd sit there and just toss rocks in the water bottle. <laughs> it started with a coffee cup. It started with a coffee cup, but we got really good at that. So we, we ended up going with a water bottle with a smaller <laughs> opening. And we would just sit there and throw pebbles in the water bottle. And it was so funny because it was like, all you heard was clink, 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 clink. And if somebody, if it went in, there was a couple seconds of silence. We all look around at each other like, nice. <laughs> I <laughs> just sitting there talking, throwing rocks because there was literally nothing to do. So how much of the time did you guys spend talking? Cause look, y'all, everybody seemed to have a different expertise in marksmanship in one aspect of it, whether it was archery or in your case, pistol or whatever. Um, how much talk was there about marksmanship in general? There, there was a lot and a lot. And again, you, you know, you're still doing that feeling things out and you're looking at just trying to understand kind of the mindset of some of these guys, you know, get, get in their head, you know, as, as a competitor a little bit. Sure. But also it's, it's really interesting because like Chris Reed was like one of those uh, sportsman's guys, you know, where they do the, they, they would shoot pistol, rifle, bow, shotgun, you know, it was like that outdoors right. challenge thing, but it was all hunting related. Okay. Joe Serafini, Joe's thing was, you know, he, he was, did archery stuff yeah. and, you know, George being an air force sniper guy it, and none of them ever heard it. They had no idea what bullseye pistol shooting was. Oh, wow. At all. Because wow. when we were sitting there, you know, we're sitting there, we went, we did our first, dinner we went around the table and we're like all right everybody wants to know 
We're going to go around the table. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you are and why you're here, how you got here. And it was funny because, uh, what was her name? Maggie Reese was there. And I knew Maggie from, from Pistol Shoot. Yeah. And, um, who was the other one? Uh, he didn't last long. I felt bad because he was a really good shooter. Um, there was another act action pistol shooter in the house. Okay. And and I'm sitting there because I had been at the Bianchi cup when I was at the NRA and they were both there. And and we've all kind of looked at each other, looking across the table at each other, like, because they know who I was and I know who right. they were. And we're like, you're going to be honest? You're you going to tell them the truth? <laughs> are, are we really <laughs> going to say who we are? <laughs> nobody else there had a competitive background, you oh. know, other than, well, Chris Reed did, but we didn't know what, you know, his thing was. But it was never that level of a national level competition, again, other than Chris. And then they went around the table and they got to me and said, okay, I'm a, at the time, I was a 10, a 10 time NRA national pistol champion in NRA conventional pistol. And they're like, what's that? And when I explained them that we shoot a pistol at a three inch 10 ring at 50 yards with one hand, they all went, wait, you what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, it has a five ring. I'm like, but the 10 rings, three inches, and it's got a, a an X ring in the center of it. And it's all one handed pistol. We shoot 22 center fire 45 at 25 and 50 yards with one hand. And you hit the 10 ring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I have like, I, at the time, somebody had done a thing where they take all your scores and everything and they figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, I have like a 99.2% average of my shots being a, a 10. Wow. And the room just got dead silent. They're like, 50 yards with one hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just blew their mind. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, a, a lot of, well, I was just going to say, I cover a lot of USPSA stuff now. And man, those guys don't want to shoot beyond 35, 40, 45 yards. You know what I mean? So 50 yards at a three inch circle one-handed is is not in the topic of conversation no no that and it's fine i've shot uspsa buddies of mine are like hey i'm gonna go out and shoot this match you should come with me I'm like all right i'll come play whatever you know i'm not there to set the world on fire i'm just there to hang out and shoot fast have fun have fun and and it's funny because i was noticing if you stand back before you even get to the stages where you walk through you can tell which ones have like a 35 yard shot because you can just listen. It goes, boom, 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 Bang. It's like, oh, that one's got a long shot. So you you have shot USPSA. How do you like it? Do you enjoy shooting it? or? I I do. It's fun. I mean, I'm going to get in trouble with the USPSA guys. That's okay. Go ahead. I... I think it's too easy. Ooh, I like that. I actually I do, like I, that. Now, now before, before, when you broadcast this and it comes up, I don't want to hear, I don't, you'll see all the comments. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I have a utmost respect for these guys because what they do and how fast they do it is freaking amazing. I am Absolutely. In, I am a purist in the fundamentals when it comes to shooting. Okay. Okay. That, that's me. 
I, I want to put bullets on top of bullets on top of bullets. I want, you know, 10 shots in, in, in a little teeny tiny circle. Okay. And, yep. and that's just because of how I look at the fundamentals. Don't get me wrong. I, I've hung out with all these guys at the Bianchi Cup, and they are you know, just phenomenal at what they do. I'm just not into the running and the gunning and the mental gaming playing aspect of it. And, and it adds a lot to the marksmanship side of it. And it's nothing that they do wrong. It's probably just how anal retentive I am about fundamental marksmanship. Sure. And my beliefs. Yeah. What they do, they're, they're really good at it and very impressive to watch these guys shoot. So I'm just going off the shooting aspect of it, the physical aspect and the gaming aspect of when I got to reload and when I got to do this and everything like that, that that's, that's otherworldly. I mean, the fact that they can look at a stage and figure that out, is just impressive. But, and the speed at which some of these, time, if I spent the time, I probably could have been good at it. I'm just like, I just, I, if I want to shoot them all in little holes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I still find myself trying to do that at times. Yeah. So and and it, that it doesn't correlate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is a hang up because, and even the scoring thing, you know, if you're shooting in a certain power factor, if you're shooting major or minor determines on what the score is, if you shoot this square or this square. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right. The so score is different. If I'm, shooting, if I'm shooting a different size bullet at a different speed, I can shoot worse. And I get more points than that guy <laughs> yeah that that was the that's the aspect of, it's like hey i don't care as long as you're all shooting you know a center fire or something or another go and everything's the same if if you're shooting a higher or major or minor power factor and you're at a disadvantage change power factors how do you find it any easier shooting two-handed or have you shot one-handed so long that that's easier <laughs> No, I definitely shoot better one-handed. <laughs> I, I I definitely shoot better one-handed. Now, if I'm shooting super fast, you know, if I'm doing something, you know, just shooting a steel plate going ding, 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 obviously I'm going to use two. Right. But for the, the accuracy-wise, no. When I was working at a range down here, I was teaching classes. When I had kids, we'd run a plate throw. You know, and I'd have him come out of the holster and, and shoot. And I had a little kid down here that was tearing it up, you know, and, and he was, he was giving me a run, you know, young kid, Ooh. just bang, 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 hitting the plates. And a, and a good friend of mine worked at the range with me down here and he comes in, he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, what? He goes, why are you shooting with two hands? <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. He goes, do it again with one. He's back there and he goes, shoot already, stand by. Hits the buzzer. Boom, 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 boom. And they're all just like, what? <laughs> like, like, sorry. <laughs> they're like, sorry, not sorry. They're like, why were you shooting with two? I'm like, I, I wanted to make it fair. <laughs> I just, yeah, especially on the actors. I mean, down here every New Year's Day, we go out with friends of ours. Uh, just feel one of them owns property and they put a, it's like a 30 inch saw blade, old saw blade. We stick way out in the field up against the 50 gallon drum. 
and they're out there shooting their rifles at it. Boom. Ding. I grab one of my guns, one of my 1911s. Look at it. Boom. Watch the impact adjust a little bit. Boom. Ding. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, really? I'm like, it's not that hard. And they're like, I couldn't do that. I'm like, yeah, you can. I'm like, here, here, here's your little square. I want you to aim right here. Aim right up here on the saw blade, about about a foot and a half off to the right side. Oh, okay. Boom. Dink. And they just can't believe it. But no, definitely accuracy-wise, uh, one-handed. Okay. That I, this, this, I mean, you've done it for so this long. Is useless. That... Yeah, this left hand. It, <laughs> this it is useless. <laughs> <laughs> Beer in left hand, pistol in the right. Everything, life yep. is good. We're good. <laughs> All right. Did you ever um did did you know Ernest Langdon down at HRP? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever get a chance to go through that class? Uh did I ever go? I did, yes. Okay. Not with I don't think he was there when I went through. Okay. Because did you Captain Belkey Captain Belkey was really strict about not letting us do other types of shooting. He didn't want hmm. us to screw things up. Even said, in the off season, I, huh? Really, even in the off season, he didn't definitely during the season. But in the off season, you know, he would let us go to like small arms weapons instructors course and things like that. But to let us, okay, you know, no. Did but, did you no, know I knew Ernest? Him, I, I knew him. Hung out with him down okay. there. Yeah, saw him at a couple of USBSA matches. I went and shot here and there. Did you know he was the first? Production national champion for USPSA. Yep, uh, impressive. And I'm not surprised. I was not no, I'm not either. He was a good shot then, so I'm yeah. not surprised at all. Well, I mean, you look at everything he did down there at HRP, all with production guns. Yeah, you know, that's all they had. And he's stuck with the Beretta. I actually here's one for you. As as you and I had spoken. Um, prior to the show, my dad was the rifle team guy. And then he, um, they created a civilian position for him because he designed all those, um, the racks for the rifles to test them. And he yep. created the shed at the 300 yard line. He did all that. So his history goes way back, but he actually had a 45 built in the RTE shop. Wow. So this is from the eighties built in the RTE shop. The only problem I have with it is I need to get a different spring because this thing only works with 230 grain ball ammo. So, but it is a, do you know, uh, Bill Skiles? Yep. Bill actually shot this in a match at Quantico. So the funny thing is, I shot rifle matches at the sniper school. He shot pistol matches and used my built 1911. And he's like, uh, I didn't shoot well, but you could win a match with that thing. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, that I was in the 90s. Bill, uh, I ran into Bill not too long ago, or a year or two ago somewhere. I'm trying to remember where we were at. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he and I just had dinner back in May. Okay. So, great guy. Actually, you know what? It might have been a couple couple more years than that. He, I think, did he go? He may have been at the uh, 
the Marine Corps Distinguished Shooters Association, our little banquet that we had. He probably was. Down there in Quantico. That may have been where I talked to him. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he probably was. Couple more things. Do you do you still have your own line of ammunition or is that something no. you had okay. Yeah, that was something I was dabbling with 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 another guy. Okay. And I mean I still have a case of it just for posterity's sake and I give it away to people for I give them a box, sign a box and give them to them as a gift. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Now we talked briefly. Uh well, no, you had mentioned that the whole mental aspects of of figuring out stages and all of that strategy in the USPSA <clears throat> is not necessarily your favorite thing. But what about mental management? I mean, how what about just the mental aspects of competition shooting? And what I was alluding to earlier was you said in 2002 was the first time you went back to defend your championship. So it, did how did that work out mentally? It was good because it that was um if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Andy Moody had already retired or was just retiring. And Andy and I started out doing uh, bullseye classes together outside of the Marine Corps. Just the two of us. We would go, you know, a club would get 10, 20 people together. We would go to their range. We'd spend a day in the classroom and then we'd spend, you know, a day and a half on the range or whatever. And... Andy and I talked a lot while driving places, flying, wherever, whatever we were doing, sitting there eating dinner. And when we, we came up with the plan that we were going to go teach his classes, we sat down with his, uh, his wife, who they, they worked together doing training development programs for different companies. And we actually reverse engineered what I do to shoot so that when I, when I was teaching it, because a lot of instructors, and no offense to anybody out there that's an instructor, but a lot of instructors teach what they know, but they don't know, they don't teach what they do. Right. Because, you know, they know what was right and what was taught to them, but they never sat and analyzed what they did and taught that and, and how they learned to do that. So... The things that we did is, is I know, I know the canned response to something like explain trigger control or side alignment and how the two work together. I understand, you know, what they are and how they work, but what Andy and Kim were able to do was to pull it out as to how I do it almost like without, you know, self-hypnosis and, you know, get into the psyche of what's going on, but just to be able to, to teach it how I do it and how I approach it. And, and it's kind of crazy because I, I became a better shooter doing that because I was starting to understand now exactly what I was doing, not just how to do it, but what I was doing and to be able to pick up on things when they weren't going right. Mm, changing so, something you were doing. Right. So one of the biggest things, you know, when we're writing this little PowerPoint presentation to do, we we got onto the mental management thing because that was always like one of the classes we taught at at the division matches in the Marine Corps championships was you know, mental management. Well, now people ask me, they're like, well, what about the mental aspect of bullseye shooting? And, and I, I don't delve into that. I said, I don't teach mental management. I don't teach mental training. I'm like, 
if you want to learn how to deal with stress or something like that, you know, take a self-hypnosis class, you know, do yoga, whatever, control your breathing, keep your heart rate down. I was like, but the mental management aspect for me of shooting is nothing other than my shot process. That's it. Because if I'm staying inside that shot process and nothing gets out, if I'm in that shot process, this is right. This is all good okay. because, and I, and I explained to people, as you know, if I'm shooting sustained fire, you know, be it timed or rapid, whatever, as long as nobody shoots before my target turns, I don't hear anybody else's gun because I'm focused on the sights or the target, depending on whether I'm looking at irons or a dot. And I'm just concentrating on keeping that trigger finger moving and keeping that trigger moving to the rear without disturbing the sight alignment and the sight picture. Everything else just goes away. And it's literally tunnel vision. I can see through that optic. That's it. Everything around it is just hazy because everything comes down to that optic and this moving together. If I see something weird or anything like that or something happens, I'm out of my mental game because there should be no other thoughts. There should be nothing else I see. Shouldn't be anything I feel. It should all just be, you know, here, my world is right out here in this tube and, and that trigger finger. That's it. So the metal wow. game, we, we, you know, Andy and I talked about it like, well, there's really no reason to sit down and actually talk about mental management. It's just the ability to stay inside your shot process without screwing it up. Because if you come out of your process, you're outside your mental plan. So interesting. I, yeah. So, and I mean, I read a lot of good books, right? The inner game, of, you know, uh, I can't remember the guy that wrote the book, but the inner game of tennis is a great right. book, but it's basically, it's just a book on a shot process because they're not thinking, okay, the ball's going this way. I have to lead with my left foot because I'm going to do the backhand. So I've got to turn the club. It's just something they've done so many times that they see where the ball's going. They automatically know how to react. Right. So that's the inner game of tennis and pistol shooting is the same way. As far so as you, I see it, it's just you literally use your shot process to basically keep pressure at bay. Yes. Because at no point in my shot process, because if I go through my whole process of, and it's, it's only a short por portion of the process because the process is down here. Okay. So I've got the, I'm resting with the gun on the bench. I've got a little block. My gun, the trigger guard will rest on that. As soon as it goes to that, I start that process. All right, shooting time fire, rapid fire, whatever the case is. <sighs> Keep the trigger moving. That's my key word. Keep the trigger moving. Keep the trigger moving. <sighs> and I'm, I'm just feeding off the commands now. Is the line ready? <sighs> ready on the right. Head goes to the target. Ready on the left. Deep breath. Gun starts coming up above the target. Already on the firing line. I'm settling in. I pick up the sights. Fingers already moving to the rear. Boom, shot breaks as the target's turning. If anything happens in there that's other than that, I'm out of my mental game. Nowhere in my shot process does it say, oh my God, I'm at nationals. I can win my second one in a row, get nervous. That's not in the process. <laughs> nope. So as long as I don't allow that into the process while I'm actually shooting, I can be back in the back on the ready line before the match starts throwing up because I'm so nervous. But once I get in the process, it's all gone. It doesn't say that. That doesn't add to the process. You know, that's like if you're out 
on the range and you're shooting, you're, you know, you're shooting slow fire and you bring a gun up and all of a sudden you go, Oh, did I, did I, did I turn the TV off when I left the house today? Did I lock the door? Did I let the dog back in? Put the gun down. You're out of your process. That that's mm. got nothing, you know, it's not part of the process. And if anything outside of that process steps in, stop, you have to abort that shot, especially in slow fire. Right. You know, sustained fire. We have, I, you know, I got a key word I teach people to use. You say that and it kind of reboots everything quickly and get you back into the process and get the finger moving. Now, it obviously took you a, a little while to learn that. So your first division matches, you were four points away from meddling. When you went back the next time, did that thought ever enter your mind that I was four points shy last year, I need to do better, and, and you have an errant shot, and you're like, oh, no. No, it, it didn't. I had, I felt pretty good going into that one. I mean, still just a Lance Corporal and a bunch of guys that have been shooting division matches for a long time and, you know, been shooting a pistol a lot longer than I had been are out there. But I spent a lot of time dry firing. And, you know, whenever we could, we would go to the range and shoot. I mean, and my confidence was up. I mean, okay. that, my first, and I think that's pretty much the way it is with, with anybody going out, you know, to a national level competition, their first or second time at that point that really hasn't discovered, you know, themselves as a, that level of a competitor and being that top tier yet, it really goes off of skill and confidence. Now, yes, there is skill, there is confidence, but in the mental aspect of it, I, there's really nothing else to worry about. I don't think about any of that other stuff. Was I thinking about scores back then? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that was my ticket to the big show. That was my ticket to the big game. And, and I was, I was going there. And because my first division match, I was sitting there or first or second division match. I can't, I think it was my second division match. One of the guys I went with, one of my PMIs I've worked with, I told him, I pointed up on the stage. I said, I'm going to do that one day. And I go, what? I said, I'm going to be out here teaching these classes. Mm. I said, I am going to be on that team, and I'm going to be the guy up there teaching these people how to shoot. He was like, really? I go, yep, you watch. Nostradamus. Yep. Well, I think you summed up mental management uh, in one sense is would just stay in your shot process. That, and uh, Yeah, stay in the process. And, I mean, and it's funny because I've talked to Olymp – I mean, I was on the U.S. team, shot with them for a while, and, you know, they're psychologists, people, and everything, and other sports, if you read – they have different, I think the last one, I don't know what they call it now, but at one point it was called flow. You know, you got to stay in your flow of what you're doing. And that's more of the right. higher, higher athletic stuff. And, and I get it, but it basically all boils down to the same thing. It's right. just not letting any, any out exterior extraneous things get into what you're focused on at that time. And what are you, so what is Brian Zins doing now? I am a park ranger. <laughs> a park ranger, really? Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm a Union County park ranger down here in North Carolina. How, how did, okay. That's a complete change in career <laughs> fields. How does that happen? It, the only way, I, well, I look at it this way. The only way to make real money being a firearms instructor is to have your own place <laughs> or be okay. willing to travel. I travel a lot. I like being at home with my wife. I, I, 
the only travel that we do now is to go see kids, grandkids, and and vacations. I don't I don't want to travel for work anymore. Been there, done that. Lived out of a suitcase long enough. I want to be home every night. Um, but we would go hiking down here, and you know we'd pull up the All Trails app and find. Hey, we haven't been to this park yet. Let's go there. And one day we were just out walking, and she goes, "I think you would enjoy that." I go, "What?" She goes, "Being a park ranger." I'm like, huh? Yeah, I probably would. And the park wasn't hiring for a while, so I actually got on doing security for him at nights at the campground area for a while. And then here uh, last year, job opened up, submitted nice. it, and they're like, and and they and and they knew me. I told them I was like, "Hey, when you get another opening, I'm gonna put in for it." And they called and they said, hey, we're posting a job tomorrow. All right. <laughs> that, that's just a good sign. <laughs> a little insider trading information. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's when, a very good sign. At the end of your job interview, when they go, well, hey, we're going to put you on this shift, <laughs> on this walk. Does that work? I'm like, yeah, that'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Nice. My wife actually goes, how'd it go? I'm like, well, they already kind of told me what, what my schedule's going to be. So I think it went well. <laughs> Is this going to be your sunset job, the job that takes you into retirement? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Unless all of a sudden there's a giant resurgence in bullseye shooting and people want me to come do speeches <laughs> and lectures. <laughs> but I, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Well, Brian, that's what I've got, man. I, I truly appreciate you being on. This has been a fantastic conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's always good when you meet somebody that understands, first of all, bullseye. Yes. And that yes. level of competition to talk yes. with, you know, because around here people are like, you know, so you shot stuff, huh? You know, and then they start telling me their stories about how great they are. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> and it's funny because I never tell tell anybody who I am. If we're out of it, but this is one of our places, homebrew. And we'll be sitting out there talking and, and there's people that will be looking and they're like, you look familiar. I'm like, I just, I, I have that face. My wife's like, <laughs> he was on top shot. And they're like, that's it. You know? And cause I, I, I'll never tell them. Hey, yeah, I was on top shot. Uh, whatever. I, that that's her job. <laughs> I always like to tell people my picture was in the post office. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've said that to you. They're like, you look familiar. America's most wanted. Like, what? <laughs> watch, watch the ID channel on Discovery. <laughs> oh, man. They start backing away. They're like, oh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on or clarify that we talked about? No, I'm good. Oh, wait. If, I'm going I'm to move my head so you can see what's behind me. I saw that and I meant to ask you earlier because when you were fixing your screen, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. What does it say at the bottom? Is it driver? It says driving nails. Yeah. Nail driving. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Nail nice. driving. Some people might recognize that poster or that painting. It was in the uh, season two Top Shot house. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> someone had a going away present. There's two. There was uh, fun under the big top and this one. And they're painted on wood. Oh, okay. And when uh, Chris Reed and I were the last two in the house, 
before the before the final challenge, we grabbed the uh, one of the sound guys, camera guys, and they're like, "Hey, as soon as we leave to go to the range, you're gonna grab this painting and that painting, put them in your car. The winner gets this one. The second place guy gets this one. Here's our addresses." And, and we didn't know. We're like, "It's worth a shot." Holy crap! <laughs> they Not showed up. Like, like four months later, this thing shows up on the door, and I'm like, "What? What is this?" Open it up. I was like, "Oh my god, he sent it." <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So Chris Reed and I actually each have one from the Top Shot House. That's awesome. Got my mm. little. I was there. Been there, done that. I got the poster. <laughs> <laughs> A wood poster. Yep. That's awesome. That's the only thing my wife lets me hang. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only work of art I'm allowed to hang in the house. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Oh, uh, well, they do have a better sense of decor than we do. She does, and she's a painter, so most of the paintings in the house are actually paintings she's done. So, oh wow, oh cool. Yeah. Again, Brian, this has been fantastic. We're gonna have to do this again sometime. Cool, anytime. Let me know. I'd love to. If uh, especially when you get the comments about the mental management and the USPSA guys. Sorry, you action guys. No offense. <laughs> You're great. I love you. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Well, you have a great day. All right, you too. Take care. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>